Welcome to your Locked On SEC podcast. We are previewing every game of the opening, full opening weekend, and we'll get news out of Alabama and Tennessee as well. Support of your Locked On SEC football podcast comes from Manscaped, number one in men's below the belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision engineered tools. Get 20% off and free shipping with a code locked on at manscaped.com. 20% off at manscaped.com. So he's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. And if I would have asked you two days ago, Chris, who's the one player not named Tua that Alabama would least like to lose, would it have been Dylan Moses? Because that's what they're facing now. Well, absolutely. You know, we even had this discussion, gosh, uh, maybe a couple of weeks back about the importance of players generically, um, you know, quarterback uh, and then on on the defensive play call, the defensive quarterback, uh, which in this case is Dylan Moses. So it is it is a big time loss for Alabama, not only a great talent, but more importantly, his ability to make the calls, make the checks, um, you know, lost McMillan. You got, um, you know, you've now got a, a couple of key losses there, but this one is, is definitely, um, the, the biggest loss, um, that they've had. And, you know, here's the thing about it. Um, cause I think it's pretty obvious. I think everybody knows that. So kind of the reaction to it. Well, there's never a good time for it to happen. It's, it's, you know, these things are bad and they're bad whenever they happen. It is, um, an opportunity for some young guys that's going to have to step in. That's going to have to get a lot of reps and with the schedule. And yes, it's game week when it happened. So this week it's going to be a little hodgepodge in terms of defensive game plan. You're going to have to limit what you do, what you call your checks, because it's it's not going to be as easy. Now, how much you have to do that depends on how practice goes. Depends upon what they can absorb. I, you know, I went back and looked at my notes, film grade notes. This is exactly, ironically, the position that Dylan Moses was in a few years ago when he had to jump in as a freshman due to injuries at linebacker, and. You know, he was having to jump in and have to play this position and that position. It's why you cross-train, guys. It's going to be a drop-off in terms of how they do it. But it, it's, you know, athletically they can play. They're just going to be limited, again, what they call and what they can check to. Now, as because the season schedule I think is manageable, you know, let's just call it, I think it's relatively easy. Uh, comparatively speaking to what Alabama's talent is, there's a great opportunity for by the time the season gets towards, you know, the latter stages that you've got a lot of reps back to back to back every day in practice and in game situations where you're likely to be a lot better. You're going to, they're going to be a lot better at the end of the season than they are now, Uh, assuming there's not more injuries, which, Listen, it can happen now. You, know, you got a lot more guys taking a lot more snaps. But there's an adjustment there. There's going to have to be an adjustment on special teams because now the core guys that were going to be core special teams, now they're becoming starters. Now you got other younger guys. So there's an adjustment on two levels. 
uh, even though the, the biggest focus, of course, I know is is at the linebacker position, Mike backer position that's going to make the call. So, look, I mean, what does it mean for Alabama? That That's what fans want to know. Okay, that's, that's great. It's going to change it. You know, I'm not in all – all right, fine. Okay, you're not in all that. Here's what it really comes down to. Do I think it's going to have an effect on Alabama's season as it relates to their ability to manage through the schedule? Um, it'll have an effect. I don't know that it'll cause them to lose a game. It might. Don't know. I mean, don't know what else is going to happen. But there are ways, I think, that they can manage this. I think where it is more likely to have an effect is in a game against Georgia, perhaps, or the SEC championship. Maybe, you know, a key game um, to win the West, you know. Um, Certainly, if they were to make the playoffs, I, I think all those things are, are real and true. I will say this. Timing of the injury, it's better that it happens now than if it happens week eight. Because then you've got less time to get a young guy ready. That's assuming, again, you don't have other significant injuries at that position that's going to cause further. Because right now, you all when you have this, you're going to have to have the backup to the backups ready to go. And, and so you have to work that you, you can plan for that Dave, but there's only so many reps you can give to so many players each week. And it's like building blocks. It's like taking a step on each rung of the ladder. You just can't, well, I got this guy. We'll just plug them in. Well, it doesn't work that way. You've got to train and develop guys just because they're five stars and four stars and they're the number one by their, their name, by their school and the recruit that that's not, that's part of it. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's like getting into the car. Yeah. You got a car. Yeah. Got to turn on the ignition and you got to press the pedal and go, you know, now it's, it's about how you develop who they have and Alabama still going to have a great season Dave. It's just, when the expectations are you either win the title or it's a disappointing year, could it make a difference? It very well could. And, and again, it's not like we're guaranteed anything in terms of this is the only injury you're going to have. So anyway, that's kind of been the, uh, the, the sky is falling in Tuscaloosa and, you know, yesterday was a bad day and doing radio over there was like, um, I, 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 you know, <laughs> To the radio there, I thought that you know I was good, but I thought I needed to get a couch for you know the host and fans I was talking to. But you know, I, look, here's the thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going probably going on too long on this, but I think it's important. Now, what do you do? Okay, so here, here's the thing. You, as a coach, you can't sit there and say, "Huh," you can't have the attitude that the fans are gonna have. The media is gonna, oh boy. Can you, you know, you just look guys, Dylan's gone. We, we hurt for him. Okay. We've got, let's, let's do him proud. Okay. Now it's up to you. This is why we recruited you. Now you now have a larger responsibility. You know how I tell you every time when you come in that, those, that, those doors and to do the extra work, to do the extra film work, you never know when your opportunity is coming. This is it, guys. This is, it's your opportunity now, Shane. I mean, it is. Uh, it, it, it's your opportunity now, Marshall. It's it's your your time's here. It, we didn't think until last night, two nights ago, 
that you were going to have this role. You do now. This this should be a lesson to all of you. You don't know when it's your turn. You're next man up. So you got a different role. Welcome to college football. We're here. We've got high expectations for you. It's why we recruited you. And then and you got to move forward because anything other than that, you kind of plant the seed of a built-in excuse. Well, oh, man, you know, well, what a blow, you know. I mean, geez, you know, I, yeah, no one can expect us. No, you, no one's going to feel sorry for you. You know, what's the old saying? You know, when people ask, you know, how you doing, they really don't give a damn how you're doing. They're kind of just kind of something that they say, you know, they don't care if you got problems and kind of happy if you do. You know, it's just that, hey, in, in football, nobody's feeling sorry for them. They feel bad for the kid. No one wants to see somebody injured. But other people look at it as, hey, you know, what an opportunity. Well, guess what? Yeah, not, not, They don't think we can do it now. You know, they think it's too tough. Well, well what do you get? You know. I, that's how you got to handle it in my mind. That's, I think, how Nick's going to handle it. It's going to be fun to see. It shouldn't have a big effect here this week. But going forward, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. want to get to some previews and also the whole situation of Bryce Thompson's uh, suspension at Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt was asked about that yesterday on the SEC Coaches Teleconference. So we'll get to that. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. After this, stay tuned. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Want to get a preview of Georgia State and Tennessee. But uh, first, uh, a situation I'm sure Jeremy Pruitt would have liked to have uh, avoided uh, before game week. He had Bryce Thompson uh, the defensive back and uh, looks like to be a rising young star uh, charged with assault for threatening a woman. No physical contact, but threatening can be assault. And that was the case as the authorities deemed it. And then it surfaced that Bryce Thompson with another woman had a mutual restraining order um, filed between he and another woman. Jeremy Pruitt asked if he was aware of that. Uh, when he signed Bryce Thompson and uh, Jeremy Pruitt said, ongoing investigation, not going to answer that. Um, it's not a good look for uh, Jeremy Pruitt, in my opinion, uh, right now, Chris, especially in, in this day and age where we are so sensitive to domestic violence. And we should be. We should have been th- this way 20, 30 years ago. But uh, it's just not a good look. And. I think this is going to be Jeremy Pruitt's uh, first test in how to handle what could be a pretty bad PR situation. And listen, I think he can manage this, but I've seen this before. I've seen patterns out of players of anything. If he stands by this player and something happens down the road, it could look really bad for Jeremy Pruitt. Well, I think the key thing, and um, obviously he was evasive in that answer, uh, that's the one thing that is maybe something that listen. I, he may not answer it, but probably needs to have it addressed. Is and because he's going to get asked it again. Did you know? Well, I'm I'm pretty sure that he did. Um, I think the right answer is we're aware of situations. Um, we. 
you know, believe in, you know, because there wasn't any physical involvement that we decided that uh, it was still someone that we wanted to uh, recruit and and work with. And, you know, he, he certainly come from a program where Nick Saban is very much tolerant of giving guys a chance and not turning his back on players, giving them a chance to correct the mistakes that they've made in the past. So I can tell you, Jeremy's going to be doing that as well. However, as you mentioned, uh, it's probably something he's going to have to address in his own way and say, yeah, look, I I think that, you know, you, I do believe in redemption. I do believe in the ability to, you know, correct, you know, um, you know, there, there, a lot of these guys come from situations where they make bad decisions. And I think you can do a lot of positives and I've been involved in it in this day and age. It's tougher, Dave, because you just mentioned, you just use the phrase it's bad luck. Well, it may be a bad look, but what a coach has to do is not worry so much about the bad look, but do the right thing. So what is the right thing? It's hard to know the right thing unless you're there involved. So look, if he's got a history of putting hands on a woman, then you got a different situation in my view than verbal abuse, which is abuse. But I think there's different degrees of it. That's why it's a misdemeanor what he has as opposed to something that's an all out assault. I think we can agree that there's a difference, but even though it's a misdemeanor, it's still wrong. Um, you know, for me on a player like that, if I'm recruiting a player like that, and he has that history. If I have anything and, and in this case, he's accused twice. Well, did it happen twice? Do we know that it happened? He's accused twice. Is it truly something that happened twice or is it just an, you know, something that's accused. We know that there are, there's some cases, not saying that's the case here, where there's something that's ex- accused and it really didn't happen. You know, it was a, not an incident at all, but an angry girlfriend says this. And so you have to make sure, you know, is it true or not? And if there's evidence that it's true, and certainly, you know, sometimes you have this where, you know, something happens and, and, and it, it it'll be accused again, sometimes falsely. In this case, if it happened, well, then, you know, somebody like this needs to be at the get-go into some sort of anger management opportunities. I believe in that. I believe in trying to make somebody better. I've seen situations where players make bad decisions, and I think you can stand by them. If they're a really good talent, you know, they can make something out of their football career and make something out of their personal life. You know, if you go in and recruit these kids, you get to know them and develop a little bit of a fatherly relationship with them. It's a hell of a lot easier for people on the outside to say, move on from the guy. It's tougher for the coach because it would be not quite like you kicking your kid out of your home, but it is a little bit like turning your back on somebody that you're close to, maybe an extended member of your family or something like that. It's tough. Sometimes you got to do it, though, and, and, and I think there's a point where you step over the line. I'm curious to see how Jeremy handles it because he's going to get a lot of pressure. Hey, cut your ties now because it'll look bad down the road. Well, you know, are you concerned about how it looks, or do you want to stand by your players, give them every opportunity to correct themselves, turn around their lives, and if they don't take it, 
then at that point you move on. Uh, I, it's always difficult to say, yeah, this is the time to move on. No, it's not quite. It's always that fine line, but it's going to be interesting. And I will tell you this, it is an important part. Uh, players in your program and in recruiting look hard at how you're treating other players because they think, well, you know, coach is not going to have my back, you know, and, and listen, a guy makes a mistake. He's got to pay for it in some way, shape or form. But I think first and foremost, did this really happen, you know, and it did it happen the way it says it happened? And if it did, well, then obviously this guy needs some anger management issues and, you know, but, you know, I, I think it, you're right. It's going to be something that is going to be looked upon and studied and critiqued um, in Knoxville. And that's why I, what, what's your, what's your sense around Tennessee fans? Because uh, people who don't know, Dave is very close to a lot of programs, but that program in particular, and it's fan base as he does a show in Chattanooga every day. So, uh, and I know probably it's, it's maybe you're going to get even more conversation about this next couple of days, but so far, what is kind of the feeling among the, at least the fan base, the alums, the media there locally, what type of pressure is there to make a move on this kid now? I think the media is, uh, Often more critical in situations of this, there's been one uh, that said that uh, he should be kicked off the team immediately, given the fact that it's there have been uh, two incidents. Uh, that's probably not indicative of the way the fan base feels. I think the fan base, because honestly, he's a good football player. 75% of him say give him another chance or even more. Um, I think. The, it's the minority that says this is just a bad guy. And I've even heard people go so far as, and you you kind of address this, I've heard people go so far as, oh, there wasn't physical contact. Well, those people aren't familiar with the law. If you know, if you threaten someone, mm-hmm. that that is a version of assault. Correct. And I, Correct. And I think that, um, you know, I think because he's a good player, because there's that question about the actual – um, or the, there's a talk about the lack of contact. Um, I do believe that most of the fans, I think he should still be on the team and that everything works out, but that that's the way fans are. If it's a good player and he is a good player. What is, and correct me if I'm wrong though, uh, in this case, there is, as I said before, verbal assault is assault and it is a misdemeanor, Correct. Yes, and, and, and this yes, and and a physical assault is not a misdemeanor. It's something um, looked at more significantly in the law. Is that correct? Am I right in that assumption? Or right. In other okay. words, if if you and I are um, in, in in a room and I say, uh, Chris, I'm going to kick your rear, and uh-huh. that 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 is that is assault. Um, I can say, you know, Chris, I don't like you, bleep you, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But if once once I threaten you, that is considered assault. And actually, you have every right to knock my lights out <laughs> at that point. Um, so that's when it escalates. So it is different. Um, and I'll be honest with you. I, I bumped into a lot of people that didn't even know that that was assault. So 
I think there's a little, little bit of ignorance on on the part of the general public, and I think once people get educated, that it, they'll be more aware probably in their own personal dealings. Mm-hmm. Whether you're at some bar or something, you had too many drinks, you, you don't need to say that, hey, I'm going to you know, kick your butt or you're going to get yourself in trouble. So, um, you know, but at this point, there is no evidence of any physical altercation. Uh, so I don't have a problem with how Jeremy Pruitt is handling this. I think he could have answered that question better yesterday is the only thing I would say. Yeah, I don't think he I don't think he was prepared for that. And probably uh, whoever is responsible for that part of it didn't uh, either didn't prepare him for that or he just kind of spit the bit on not answering that correctly. I don't know that that Jeremy is is going to be the best at handling that anyway. He certainly doesn't have the polish of a guy like Saban, even though I think he's learned a lot from Nick and on how to phrase things and how to address things. Um, yeah, he definitely skirted the issue. We know it's under investigation. That part is good, but the whole part of, you know, not knowing or not admitting to knowing his background, which listen, let's just call it like he did, but he made the determination that the verbal assault issue was, doesn't rise quite to the degree of physical assault, which I mean, I think most people would agree to that. Uh, but that just that does not say I'm saying that, hey, verbal assault's no big deal and physical assault's a really big deal. No, they're, they're both against the law, but there's there's different degrees of the law. And, and obviously it falls along the lines of common sense. So we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, this is kind of his first uh, uh, PR challenge and we'll see how he gets through it. And of course, it happens during the game week, which is not good, but. Uh, speaking of Georgia State, Tennessee, Tennessee should have no trouble handling uh, Georgia State, I would think. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. Um, what I'm looking forward to watching is the gradual growth, particularly on the offensive line and defensive line. But, um, you know, they, they may not have the depth and they certainly don't have the experience, but they do have some frontline guys that at least come in with the pretty high pedigree on the offensive line. And that's really where the area of weakness is for Tennessee in the variable that could maybe take, you know, the, the, the season from, you know, one win total, uh, a, a certain win total to maybe a, an extra game or two. We'll see how this develops and how are, how well they're able to manage their depth issues. Um, it's, it's, it's a light schedule as indicated by Georgia state. This is a team that, um, the defensive line of, of Georgia State is is certainly not going to be that big of a challenge, but it may be a little bit more of a challenge, particularly with a young Tennessee offensive line. Um, so, you know, I think in the end, uh, it'll be a little bit too much explosiveness, and gradually Tennessee will win and probably win going away at home. So uh, it'll be good to kind of work through it and get a win under your belt. If you remember, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, getting off to a good start, I think, is always important. And in the past, when this is not a type of year where they'd want to have a tough, you know, opening game or two where they play a, an Oklahoma like they have in the past, it's it's not a good not a good fit. So the Vols will get off to a one and zero start, and the key is going to be how they look at the line of scrimmage. Is what I'm focusing on. And uh, we turn to South Carolina, another three thirty game. South Carolina playing 
uh, North Carolina in Charlotte. This is important from a recruiting perspective, sure. But, gosh, if you look at South Carolina's schedule, and you and I have talked a lot about it, they can't slip up and lose a game like this. They're double-digit favorites. Uh, they've got to be, be sure and take care of business against North Carolina. Oh, agreed. I mean, th- listen, they are going to be underdogs. Not that that means everything. That's that's what the betting public thinks. But the reality is um, they're a 7-5 and five team. If if they play to their talent level and the, op- the opposition plays to their talent level, they're 7-5. and five. Um, You know, this is one of those games, one of those seven. So they absolutely need to win this game. They're better than North Carolina at the line of scrimmage. They've got a more experienced quarterback. Uh, North Carolina is starting a true freshman in Sam Howell. Um, South Carolina should be able to run the football on this defense that I think is going to have some issues. And then Bentley should be able to take advantage of, uh, if they're going to play a loaded front, they'll be able to take advantage of some plays in the passing game. South Carolina, pure and simple, more talented uh, really good defense, really good line of scrimmage team by the Gamecocks. It's just that, um, you know, I think it's going to – it's a it's a chance for them in a, in an early spotlight game to get a win because, as you mentioned, their schedule is going to prevent a lot of those from taking place. Coming up, more season opener previews. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're Locked On SEC Football Podcast, Portland State at Arkansas, a four o'clock kickoff, and Arkansas certainly one of those teams that's scrapping for every single win they can get this season. Your thoughts on this game? Well, they got Ole Miss next week, so important to kind of, you know, get off to a good start. I think this can be a pretty good Arkansas offense. Um, You know, they will get um, a little bit, not much, a little bit of a challenge defensively. Uh, Curious to see how this secondary responds this year. They gave up big plays against anybody in the passing game, so um, I think Arkansas is going to score a bunch against Portland State's defense, and um, I think it's just going to be about getting a lead and then obviously seeing if they can generate a pass rush, they can cover a little bit better uh, because I do think that they're going to face another explosive offense next week. That Arkansas-Ole Miss game, not to look ahead because Ole Miss has got Memphis. Um, this is going to be a real interesting game uh, next week, kind of fun. But uh, this Arkansas team, I think, is starting to get a little bit some semblances of where Chad Morris wants is, you know, have some of the pieces for his offense. I'm curious to see how the quarterback plays, um, but it's the defense. Don't have a lot of talent on defense. They've got a couple of kids on the defensive front that can play. They just don't have the depth of talent, uh, but obviously should win, should win going away here, maybe put up some gaudy numbers and then get off to a good start. And then uh, you're, you know, it's the, the Arkansas Ole Miss game next week is going to tell us, you know, a lot about both of those teams in, in regard to who is probably going to end up as the worst team in the West or the second worst or third worst, depending on how the season plays out for the winner. We will have the remainder of our season opener previews tomorrow, including a big one, Oregon-Auburn. So we will talk to you tomorrow. Again, for Chris Landry at LandryFootball.com, I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, everyone.